So we're talking about faith. And really, in uncertain times like this, faith is quite possibly the most important commodity you and I could possibly have. Faith, a living faith, an active faith, a faith that is truly alive. So jumping into part two, talking about our faith, um, we're going to start with the idea that everything you and I choose to believe for the first time or some new idea actually passes through three phases, whether we recognize that or not. And those phases are being curious about something, to being convicted about something, to being convinced about something. And let me illustrate that an example from, from my own life. It, it goes without fail when Gabriel and I, my wife, sit down to, to watch a movie together. Inevitably, she'll pick out an actor or an actress in that show and just say, isn't that the guy or isn't that the gal that used to be in this show or Goonies or this old TV show? Or she'll find some connection to the past. And, and I go, no, that, that does, that's not them. That, that looks nothing like that person. There's no way that's the same person. And she's like, no, I, I think that is. And, and we kind of leave it alone. And then I get curious. I get curious and I'll Google it and I'll look it up. And I tell you way more times than I'd like to admit it. She's right, and, and I find out that's exactly the same person like she thought it was. And so uh, then I get convicted um, that I have to admit to her I should say something and say, you know what, you're actually right. And I often choke on those words, but I'll say, look, you're, you were right. That, that is actually is the person you said. And so now I'm very convinced when she says, hey, I think that's the person that uh, is from this other show, I, I'm pretty convinced that she's going to be right about that. You know what? Our faith, as it grows, it takes on those very same phases. We go from being curious about the things of faith to being convicted about the things of faith to being convinced about the things of faith. Can I tell you guys today, if we're going to live a faith that is alive, that's where our faith needs to live is in this area where our faith is convinced about the things of of God. And so I'm going to invite you to look at how that happens and how we can grow in being convinced about our faith. And so we're going to look at a story. Uh, it's a narrative from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And Jesus is passing through Samaria. And in fact, the scripture says he had to go through Samaria. But the reality is, in that day, uh, when Jews were traveling from Galilee, where Jesus was from, down to, to, Israel, to uh, Jerusalem, uh, they would often go around Samaria, go down through the Jordan River Valley, and then back up from Jer Jericho up to Jerusalem. But this narrative said Jesus had to go through there. And the reason he had to go through there wasn't geographic. The reason he wanted to or had to go through there is because he wanted to encounter this woman specifically. And so uh, in that narrative, um, in John chapter 4, the, the disciples go into town. And Jesus is left at the well, and it's around noon. It's the middle of the day. And this one woman comes out. She's unnamed, but she comes out to draw water from the well. And Jesus says, hey, would you give me a drink? And she says, well, wait a minute. Why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, and we don't get along, and we don't talk to each other. And Jesus said, look, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't just simply talk to me. You would be asking for me to give you water, actually what's called living water, that, that satisfies your soul and it never runs dry and can give eternal life. And right at this moment, we'll see here in a second, she becomes curious. She's at phase one of her faith. She's curious about Jesus. 
She's like, that sounds amazing. If you've got it where I don't have to keep coming back to the well and I can have this living water that never runs dry, I would like that. Can I have a drink of the living water? And Jesus says, listen, go get your husband and we'll talk some more. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the man that you're living with now isn't your husband. Now you could imagine how freaked out she would be. If you and I met a stranger and they started telling you all about your life, you'd think that they Facebook stalked you. But in that day, uh, there would have been no other explanation. You and I would be freaked out. And she gets convicted. And here's where we pick up the narrative. And she says this, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we are to worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we do know, for salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who is speaking to you, I am he. Now, she's already in this brief conversation with Jesus has come to a place where her faith has gone from curiosity to conviction and is being challenged for more than that, to a place of decision. And she's, she's knowing that the, the prophecy said that, the, that the, the servant of God sent from heaven would come. And she's thinking, is this really the one? Is this the one we've been waiting for? Is Jesus, this man I just met, the one who the prophecy said would explain all things? And in reality, that's a question each of us must answer for ourselves as well, what will we do with Jesus? What will we do with the claims that he's made? It's very clear in this passage and in many others that Jesus claimed to be the sent one, the son of the living God, sent down from heaven, the eternal living God who became flesh and dwelt among us that he might reveal the glory of God and the salvation that he offers to all. And when you couple those claims that Jesus is who he said he was with the proof of the resurrection that, that as he rose from the dead, if you believe that, that he is alive and that proves his claim is true. And listen, as Jesus is alive, that also means he is still alive to offer himself to anyone who is unsure about who he is, to offer himself and make sense of life for you and I. The question we've got to ask ourselves today is, do we believe that? Do we believe Jesus is who he claimed to be and that he really did die on the cross for us? If you're not sure about those claims or what to believe, listen, don't dismiss this simple statement that Jesus said, I am the one who is to come. And if he's right, that changes everything about our faith. That changes everything about our life. But if it's wrong, then either has to be two things. Either it was wrong and he knew it was wrong and he was lying about it. Or he was wrong and he thought he was right. And he was completely and utterly misguided and out of his mind to say what he said. Well, she's curious. 
She's convicted. And here's what happens. It says this. Then, leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? That's the Savior. They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Listen, I love this. She left the water jug. She had, she had traveled all the way out there to the well. Most scholars say that the town was about a, a mile or so from the well into town. And she had left it right there because something far more important than water was at stake. And this idea, she had to get to the bottom. Was this really true? She had to know, is Jesus really the one? And at this moment, as she goes in the town and comes back, she has to be seriously considering that Jesus's claims are absolutely true. And then the, the scriptures don't describe the next encounter, but as they come out and she comes out with other people from the town, clearly somewhere in that encounter, she becomes convinced. She believes and her curiosity in the claims of Jesus, that he says, I have living water, and I'm the one sent from heaven. And, and if you drink from this water I give, it'll never one run dry, and you can have eternal life. That curiosity went from curiosity to conviction, and, and her moral need, the reason Jesus brought up her husbands was to convince and convict her that she had a moral brokenness and deficiency, and that she needed what Jesus was offering, not just for today, but for eternity. And that curiosity became conviction, which became convinced in faith. And so she placed her faith in Jesus, which leads us to our really our first idea here that a faith that is alive, listen, is convinced, not just curious, not just convicted, convinced that Jesus truly is the solution to your brokenness. It was true for this woman at the well, and it is true for every person that Jesus offers himself to. And listen, that is the entire world, and that includes you, that Jesus is ultimately the solution, God's solution to the brokenness that is inerrant in you and in me. But this living faith, this convinced faith goes far beyond simply intellectual curiosity of our mind, where where we, we dabble in the things of God or we think about them on occasion or we wonder what's ahead after life after this life. Because if you take the combination and the logical conclusion that Jesus is the son of the living God, God in the flesh, and that he rose from the dead, you combine those two ideas, it really leaves you with not simply an intellectual curiosity, but a, but a move in your heart and your spirit that there's something you should do in response to that, and that thing that we respond with is faith, that Jesus truly is the solution and we respond in faith. And listen, a living faith that is alive goes beyond simply an emotional reaction of our heart that we get convicted and feel bad about things we've done and, and wish we hadn't done them and live in regret. That, that a living faith goes beyond that emotion and says, listen, I'm convinced that Jesus isn't just there to empathize with me. He's there to remove the stain of my guilt and remove the brokenness in me and replace that with something that is so much better. And it leads to embracing faith in Jesus to remove the guilty conscience you and I might have. And beyond that, simply to not just take him as uh, the one who removes stain in sin, but the leader of our lives. Conviction. 
Conviction demands a choice. So beyond our mind and beyond our heart, there's this act of the will. That true faith is an act of a will of our will by choice. And this woman chose Jesus. And then for the last 20 centuries, there has been story after story as millions of people have made the same choice as this woman does here by placing their faith in Jesus, that he is the one that God sent, that he's the one with the living water, that he's the one that heals my brokenness, that he is the one that has eternal life in his hands, and he is the one I can trust today and for eternity, I believe. That is a faith that is alive in Christ. Can I tell you, that is uh, just the most amazing thing to watch. When you get to see God do this in the life of someone, and it's been a joy to watch that time and again for God to, to convince uh, of people around us that, that he is the real deal. Uh, remind me of a man just last year named Rick, who's uh, part of our church, uh, a friend of mine. And, and to watch in just a few short weeks for him to go from being curious about Christ. He didn't grow up in church. He didn't have a great uh, background of knowing what, what to believe. A uh, good guy, but just sort of uh, was unsure about things of God. And then for him to be convicted that he needed to make a decision that Jesus Christ uh, was able to do for him what he could not do for himself. And that is remove the blemish of sin from his life in order for a relationship for God with God to be established and for him to become convinced and to place his faith in Christ. I'll never forget. I got a text from him shortly after that. And he said, man, making this decision to accept Christ into my life has changed me. It's changed what I want. He talks about he had two Bibles, one in his home and one of his, in his work vehicle, so he could write, read God's Word. A new hunger for the things of God had grown in his heart. And the old things that he used to be a part of, the, the desire for those things are going away. And he, that choice he made, his act of his will, brought a living faith to his life. Can I tell you, that's a decision that each one of us have to face. What will we do with Christ and his claim that the offer he gives for living water for each one of us. If you're convinced, if the conviction of God is on you now, that there is this stain and this blemish that is keeping you from God today, can I tell you that the same living water that never runs dry is being offered to you by the living Christ, and he too can heal your brokenness. And so at the end of this message, as God has been laying it on your heart and convincing you that you need to make a decision for Christ, to choose Christ into your life, then you'll pray that with me as an act of faith here in just a minute. And can I say those, this to those who are already believers in Christ? Is your faith in Christ convincing? Are you so convinced of it that, that you run to him in moments of temptation and moments of doubt and worry that he's the one you run to because you're so convinced that a faith in him is what brings life? Are you so convinced that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that you seek him out, that reading God's word is a natural habit and, and rhythm to your life because you believe he is the solution to your brokenness? and is uh, calling out on his name when, when there is a struggle or there is a problem, that you call out on him in prayer and you ask for the Holy Spirit's help in moments of crisis because you're so convinced there is no other solution for your brokenness except in Christ. And if you are convinced, are you doing those things? Is that the pattern of your life? 
If, if, you're, if you'd say, yes, I'm convinced, but those aren't true of me, can I press in on you and say, why is that not true of your life if you're convinced he is who he said he is? This woman at the well was convinced, but not only for herself, her faith was convincing for her in order that we might be convincing for others. She had to get this news to other people. She leaves the water at the well. She runs into town. See, when God convinces us that he's the solution of brokenness in our lives, we want other lives to experience that same healing from brokenness. It demands that our lives be interrupted, that we leave our water at the well. We, 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 we stop what we're doing. We have our lives be interrupted. She dropped everything walked a couple miles, got people to come back with her. And my question I have to ask myself and, and you as well, if you're a believer in Christ, is I wonder if you and I are willing to have our lives interrupted that others might know him. Are we willing to do that? How far are you and I willing to go in order that other people might hear and know the life-saving message that Jesus is the source of the water and the well that never runs dry. See, a faith that is alive not only knows that it's healing brokenness in us, that a faith that is alive is convinced that Jesus is the solution to the brokenness in other people's lives just as well. And when we're convinced of that, listen, we know other people are searching what you and I have found in Christ and they're looking for it in other places, the love and acceptance, the forgiveness, the purpose, the meaning, the joy that we have in Christ. They're looking for that and the same things, but in the wrong places. And we're so convinced that Jesus is the solution that we don't stop with us and we take that message to others. When we do that, I love what happens. This is what happened in in her story. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed. And they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wow. Convincing faith, not just for her, but for the majority of a town to say, yes, we believe that Jesus truly is the savior of the world and our savior as well. Now listen, God used this woman, this outcast woman, this woman that, that went to the well at a different time, and we'll get to that in just a second. This woman that, that um, uh, had had five husbands and, and had all kinds of relational brokenness in his life. This woman who was just curious and convicted and just had become convinced. He used that person to take his message to others. He can certainly your, use you and me. She just shared her testimony. Our testimony is simply telling others what God has done for us to them her testimony was he knew i had five husbands he knew i was still uh, living with somebody else he told me all that but i think it goes deeper than that because listen this woman truly was an outcast and here's what i mean we know that to be true because the women in this day 
They didn't come to the well in the the middle of the day. The first thing the women of this culture in this time would have done is in order to cook and clean all day, they would go out and get water from the well first thing in the morning, first thing they did, and bring it back to their home so they could begin to cook and clean and do all their daily uh, responsibilities. And this woman didn't do that. She purposely went later. She purposely avoided the other women in the town. You can assume what kind of reputation she may have had. And she avoided them by going in the heat of the day in order to save herself the embarrassment. But here she is, just, just, the, just a few hours later, she's running into town. She doesn't care about her reputation. She, she's not an outcast anymore. She runs in and she's excited about this person she's met. And she's excited about this faith that she's finding in Christ. And that's the change, I believe, what the change they saw in her was what was so convincing that they left, they were interrupted in their lives in the middle of their day and they came out of town to the well to see this Christ. And I can tell you, I've met all kinds of people over the years that say, man, I don't have a, I don't have a good testimony. I don't, I don't share my testimony because I just don't have one of those you know, rags to riches kind of testimonies where God delivered me from all these amazing, amazing things. Can I tell you, you absolutely have an amazing testimony. I don't even know what your story is. You may not have a God pulled me out of the gutter kind of testimony, but listen, as God is setting you free and delivering you from you, you have a story to tell. What do I mean? As they see the change in you, when people see you going from selfish to selfless, they'll notice. When people see you going from a negative attitude to an optimistic attitude, people will absolutely notice. When people see that you go from being interested primarily in yourself to being interested in them first, they'll notice. And when people see that you went from using people to being used up for people, man, they will notice amazing change in your life and they will see that you are of a convincing faith in Christ. That kind of testimony of what God has done and how it's being lived down in your life is absolutely what you and I all as believers in Christ and followers of him that we have to share with other people that need to know him. I believe that's what they notice and that's what people in our day will notice as well. In fact, I got one more verse for you and it says this from Philippians. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. See, the people you and I know that need to know Christ, man, they love to grumble and complain. Maybe you do too. Uh, They love to stir up trouble. They love to gossip. They love to throw people under the bus. But when you and I don't do those things, God says, you'll shine like a star. And you and I don't have to be self-righteous about that. We don't have to rub people's noses in it. When they see you not jumping in and piling on, they'll notice. When they bait you and say, oh man, aren't you mad at so-and-so? And when they did that to you and you don't bite, they'll notice. When, when, when It becomes obvious when you and I have a changed life. It may get a little uncomfortable in those moments, but it'll absolutely They'll take notice and you'll shine for God like a star. 
Listen, it's been a privilege to have a man named Jason in my small group. And, and as I'm getting to know Jason, just in the last year or two, it's been amazing to watch him go from being uh, curious about the things of God to being convicted about the things of God to being a man who is convinced about the things of God. And it has been cool to see him growing in his faith. And uh, we've been praying for one of his family members. And, and as we've been praying for that person uh, and their family uh, he came back and said, man, you'll never believe what happened. As we were hanging out and working together, being this family member, they stopped what we were doing. He said, listen, I don't know what's happened to you, Jason, but there is something different about you and you have changed. Can I tell you something? That's a faith that is alive because a faith of alive believes that Jesus is the solution to other people's brokenness and, and they show Christ to others by the way that they live. That's exactly what G Jason was doing with his family member. And God says, listen, don't just be different than the world. He says, be better than the world. Be the new creation I've created you to be. You're not to be like others because you have the spirit of the living God indwelling you. And you have the, the words of Christ indwelling your mind. And you have the people of God cheering you on. And you have the resources of heaven changing you into the creation that God intended for you to be. So let that shine in the lives of the people all around you. That's a faith that is alive. Because I can tell you definitively, there's people all around you and I that are asking, is their faith convincing? Is the way they live convincing? Is the way they parent and the way they talk and the way they um, act around others, uh, when, when other people, you know, behind other people's backs, is that's what's convincing? Is that a faith that I want? Is that faith alive? Uh, but also our faith doesn't end there. Not only do we show people by the way that we live, and but believe me, Jason's not been stopping there either. But a faith that is alive also is so convinced that Jesus is the solution to others' brokenness that they tell others about Christ, that they give them someone to believe in. They talk about their faith in Jesus Christ. I can remember as a kid uh, having show and tell. You probably do too. And uh, the one I remember most is I brought my little Hot Wheel. I had a Speed Racer Hot Wheel. And I, and I brought that little car, and it was my prized possession, and I showed the class. I didn't let go of it, but I showed the class. And I was telling them about the car and how awesome it is. It has springs and it can jump. And I was telling them how Speed Racer is like the coolest guy on the planet. And I showed them and I told them about what I prized so much. Can I tell you something, guys? We are called, if you are a follower of Christ, man, we get the privilege of showing people about Christ and telling people about Christ. If you and I show people we, we live genuine faith before them, but we don't, we don't ever tell them about Christ. Man, we have given them zero explanation for the hope that we have and the life that we live and the faith that they see lived out. They have no explanation for why we live the way we live. And if you and I tell people about our faith in Christ, but we don't live it at all, there's no change in us, there's no, there's no new creation becoming alive in us, then we have simply given them something that is completely unbelievable. Reminds me of uh, a story of a, uh, Jason's wife, Cherie, in our small group. She, um, she told a story years ago about how our church took one Sunday and we had little envelopes in the chairs and we gave everybody different amounts of money to go that week in the community and serve someone and, and be a blessing to them. And, 
and she got the short end of the stick. She got the $5 envelope. And so she was, uh, she said, I got these five bucks. I can use it. And so she was at the gas station that week and she noticed a lady at a different pump, put $2 of gas into her car, $2. And she, she knew God was saying, all right, this is your moment. This is your chance. You could take her the $5 and let her get more gas. And for whatever reason, she, she didn't do that. And she, she told me she, she felt so bad. She got in her car and she, she followed this lady. And I, I'm thankful she didn't get pulled over for stalking her. But she followed this lady. It was you know, like tailing her in the car and eventually decided that was a bad plan. And so she, uh, she didn't do that. And um, she found another person to give the money to and to bless that week. But listen, that, that one single event really convinced her to be a disciple of Jesus that is so concerned for other people that, that, that she would be about telling them and showing them the love of Christ. And so she, she's now determined to be that kind of person. And in small group, just a few months ago, she was talking about this passage in Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, where God says to Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Can I tell you, follower of Christ, God is asking you and I that same question. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who will show people the love of God and who will tell people about the saving forgiveness in Christ? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then the next line, Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And, and Sheree said, that has been my prayer that, that I would not miss another opportunity. And over the years that have followed, she has had opportunity after opportunity to say, here I am, God, send me. And she's told others about her faith. In Christ, That is a faith that is convinced and that is a faith that is alive. What I love about this narrative, this true story from, from the scriptures from John 4 is that it shows how intentional Jesus was that he sought this one woman out. It was worth his time to go find her. Can I tell you the exact same thing is true for you. He is seeking you out as well. That he is, it is no accident that the, the signs you possibly have been seeing or the things that have been stirring in your heart and the people God has been surrounding you with are God leading you to a place of a living faith in him. It's no accident that you're watching this video right now and that God is bringing you to a point, not simply of curiosity, not simply a place of conviction, but a place of being convinced about Jesus Christ. And realizing that he is enough. Listen, that you would believe that the brokenness in you, that Jesus is enough, his sacrifice on the cross was enough to remove the sin and the guilt that comes with that. And, and the conviction we feel and the sorrow we feel for the things we've done wrong would be not simply stop there, but would become an act of your will to choose Christ and to know him as your savior and as your Lord, as the one that forgives you of your sin and the one that now leads your life. Are you willing to respond? Will you respond right now in faith and choose, choose Christ as your savior and Lord? Let's pray together. So Father in heaven, we thank you for this holy moment as people have the choice laid before them about Christ. He has sought them out. You, you formed them in, the, in their mother's womb 
God, you know everything about them. You know the dirtiness in their past. You know the brokenness in their life. And that has not scared you out. In fact, that has brought you to the cross. And you willingly paid the penalty for their sin so that all that stuff might be removed and they might have a new life in you. And so, God, I pray that you would grant those people right now faith to turn from their sin and to turn to Christ as a solution for their brokenness. If that's you today, you turn and say, God, I'm turning from my old life. You tell them that, God, I want to turn from my old life. I'm not going to be perfect, but I turn from those things and I'm turning to Christ and I'm placing my faith in Jesus. I want that living water to well up in me. I'm asking for eternal life to be given to me. I place my faith in Jesus. Tell them that. I place my faith in you, Jesus. And Lord, I want to pray for those believers watching that we would all live with a faith that isn't simply curious or convicted, but convinced. God, that we would, we would not allow emotion to be the end result, but this conviction would lead to action and our lives would be different and changed, that we'd be willing to live a, such a convinced life that we would run to you every time we're in trouble. We'd run to you every time we're in need. We'd run to you as a daily habit in your word. We'd call out on your power and your spirit to lead us each day because we are convinced that you're the only solution for our daily brokenness in our lives. And we'd be so convinced of that, God, that we'd be people that join you and we'll say, here am I, Lord, Send me. I, you're so convinced that Jesus is the solution to the brokenness for the world that you'll take the message of Christ to others. God, I want to make that very practical. And so to this week, I'm going to respond by praying for someone I know that might need you. And I'm going to look for opportunities to share my story, my testimony of how you've been changing my life and how life can be found in Christ. I'm going to try to share that. I'm going to share that with them this week. God, we thank you for the faith you give us that is alive. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.